So it's come to this. It has come to this. <laughs> We're uh, sticking to the 70s. We're sticking to them. We em. found a nice groove and we didn't want to leave. We're on a good groove. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. This is a movie podcast, and we are grooving to the sounds of the 70s right now. Makes it sound like we're good. Somehow, Night Fever. Somehow I say the same thing you say, it sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> sounds weird. Like, you can do it, and then I do it, and it's like, Ugh, who's that creep? <laughs> Mine sounded like a record groove, and yours sounded like you were selling a Time Life Sounds of the 70s collection. I kind of was. I kind of was. In my head, I was. We all love listening to that AM gold. And you remember grooving to <laughs> Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Yeah, that's what we're the That's what we're the grooving on, baby. Tone for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's the least disco uh, 70s movie. Uh, this is a personal favorite of mine. Mm. I think this is one that I've brought up a lot to people, uh, and I tell people about a lot. Uh, this was one of those movies that I think, I think I might have saw first time when I was unemployed a decade ago. Oh yeah, and checking off some weird, obscure movies. And let's scare Jessica to death. You pointed out earlier that your brain always confuses it for uh, Giallo because it has the most Giallo <laughs> film title possible. I had no idea uh, that I actually just watched this movie for the first time yeah. just now. Um, yeah. I heard the name. Let's scare Jessica to death a lot, but right, couldn't tell if it was Bird with the Crystal Plumage, sure, or if it was something Spanish. I had no idea even the country of origin. Yeah, there's always super hyper literal Italian crime drama, right? Titles. So let's scare Jessica to death. It's like they're all just things somebody said. Mm-hmm. Black gov killer strangles women. <laughs> Is that the plot? No, that's the movie title. No, that's it. The movie yeah, title. That's it's the all movie. the same. Yeah, don't. Uh, what I say? Don't look a cat in the eye. Yeah, that's, that's a good favorite. one. That's a good. Fa- <laughs> There's a whole book. I'm if, sure we we if can. If I ever a made a giallo, that would be it. Don't, don't look a don't yeah, look a cat don't in the look eye. A brown cat in the eye. Um, but wow. yeah, this one let's scare Jessica to death. It also uh, not knowing anything about it, I was like, maybe this is like a group of teenagers out to get someone. It sounds like actually thing, now right? that you mention it, it sounds like the title of a modern teen horror movie. Right. Really sounds like a something you would see, like a comedy horror teen movie, like a prank that goes too far, kind of totally. thing. Yes. Uh, so I was like, "Ooh, what's all? Who, <laughs> who, who's us? And what are we?" Uh, yeah, that was kind Let's... of the intrigue for me uh, when I first saw it because it did have that kind of almost schlocky title, but it was from an era that was like, you know, it had a budget and kind of a classiness to it that was not schlocky at all, but it sounded very uh, exploitative. Yeah, this is a, it's not a, yeah, it's nothing like anything I've just described. No. Uh, the, these kind of titles, I, I'm fascinated with that era of drive-in and, you know, midnight movie cinema, where all these movies would just get run endlessly, and they would change the titles of them to mm. keep running the same ones. 
I recently watched a movie called The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue, which is a very long, complicated, great title. But it also has like a dozen other titles, some of which make no sense. Apparently, most of the drive-ins in America played it as Don't Open the Window. Oh, well, you know, when you told me about it, I looked it up and it was Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. Yeah, (laughs) every country this movie played in had a completely different, (laughs) unrelated title. And that was a weird thing. And Let's Scare Jessica to Death feels like a movie that would have just been called, like, Don't Die Again in right. some other drive-in, you know? Or uh, there's a one point where she's looking at a lamp, and it's like the the evil flowers. Yeah, the, the flowers mystery. of evil. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good title. There's a movie called Flowers of Evil. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Japanese movie. Um, but yeah, evil flowers. Right. It's clearly a Don't Go in the Attic. You know, this movie could felt like a movie title that could have had a dozen other movie titles. Mm-hmm. And but just the one, just the one. Just, it's an American film, so it's it's got our American title on it. But it is still um, kind of firmly in cult status. It's not really a widely released movie. The yeah. Blu-ray I have of it is a bootleg. Oh, it yeah. has not actually been released on Blu-ray. And it's one of those that it hasn't even capitalized on the horror score boom, even though it has a cool score. I love the little si- all those creaky synths whenever she's running through this weird rustic. The score farm in this, line. the score in this movie for a movie that came out in seventy one. Seventy one. Oh, my brain always thinks seventy three. So um, seventy one. That's early. But that is early. I mean, you're hearing like Moog, Moog synthesizers. You're hearing. Yeah, weird pre, drum pre carpenter drum effect score. stuff going on. Yeah, it's yeah. like felt it felt late seventies for sure. Very much. Oh, huge. So I think this is going to be one of those, and and it does have that cult following, and I kind of likened it in my head to something like Carnival of Souls, mm. just super ahead of its time and what it's doing and how it's That's, telling the story. That is high praise. Yeah, uh, and this is a movie like Carnival of Souls or others like it. Where it's kind of rare for this time in in the sixties, seventies, early seventies, at least. Oh yeah. To not be spoon feeding your audience what's going on. <laughs> right. And this is a very mysterious movie, and it deals with mental illness in the early seventies. Yeah, I really and not in like a shameful freaks kind of way or anything. This really a thoughtful movie. Actually, it, it is. It it really handles. Uh, that's why I said when it sounds so exploitative. In the title, yeah. it sounds so like pure horror trash in and, a good in a good way. And the poster, it's like skeleton hands coming out of the ground, and yeah, you know, it's got one a... of those infamous posters that doesn't look like anything yeah. that happens in the movie. Exactly, you know, yeah, that's definitely not Jessica in the movie. I know in, it's not. E- it's not even Zora Lampert in the poster. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no sense. That's so weird. Who's wait? It's Jessica, right? Is that Jessica? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or is this, that the people scaring her? Who knows? This was my intro to Zora Lampert as an actress who had a really good career, and I've sought her out in a lot of different things after this. And she didn't act super frequently, but was in some pretty big stuff. But she would had a lot of good TV gigs like few episodes of Kojak and even doing really high quality one episode turns in something like, I think I recently watched her in a Knight Rider episode. She was all older and had cute gray hair, you know? She has such a great, unique look. I think she has a gypsy heritage. Something like, well, she reminded me of maybe like a Gal Gadot. Sure. 
I get that. Um, something yeah, like early that. Early 70s Gal Gadot. Or uh, actually, she reminded me of the, um, I don't know. Yeah. Not share, but like uh, <laughs> she had kind of those cheekbones like that, and the, their mouth, her mouth was hold held a very similar to uh, I don't know pre plastic surgery. She also looked. Cher. I mean, I guess yeah. She also looked to me kind of more modern than seventy one. Well, that's thought. what's great. She has this really iconic fashion mm-hmm. throughout. A lot of these great slim fit button up blouses and cool hemmed skirts, and the guys are just kind of like. Wearing my bad fitting flared jeans and uh, this shirt that shows off my my sizable belly roll. We've brought it up before the the baldness that shows up <laughs> in seventies movies. It's so good. So Jessica, we meet Jessica um, with her husband Duncan and their friend Woody. Yeah, they drive a hearse because it's cheaper <laughs> than a station wagon. So they're supposed to be like hippies, but they're really not. Yeah, and, they're like they're like New England hippies. Yeah, this is like Upper New York. Yeah, they're they're leaving New York City. We're gonna shake some squares, and she's just wearing like a skirt above the knee. Yeah, <laughs> with a sensible, flattering, sensible haircut. people who are gonna work on a farm. One guy just has like a bad mustache, but but it's also a bad mustache because it's clearly hiding a bad upper lip. Yeah, so it's like he's not really shaggy to be rebellious. He's more just like Ugh, gotta cover up Ugh, this. Gotta, there's no lip over. Yeah, here. so. And yeah, the other guy just looks like a kind of like a dad. Duncan, man, he's like, uh, <laughs> well, because he plays the bass, uh, you know, Philharmonic style. So he reminded me of just like every nerdy band guy. <laughs> yeah, he is super uh, nerdy band guy. He is has a lot of the energy of Tim Heidecker on "I Think You Should Leave." <laughs> Doing the like, all right, well, this clue might also not help you much, but they were also on the Colgate Hour. <laughs> this guy had big Colgate hour so energy. So funny. <laughs> Play that sax all night. <laughs> yeah. Love that. One this of the is great a guy. Bits. I love this. Uh, this look into these. Uh, it kind of hints that they're from New York. She had a breakdown. She ended. You know, she was already going. We. I love how we get kind of her story unfolded. Yeah. We kind of introduced already that she introduces herself as still not being totally solid yeah she clearly went to like a psychiatric thing where she was locked up or or held against her will yeah doesn't want to go back there um she's kind of like self-aware about her mental state yeah it's really interesting she does this whole thing that i really actually loved in the whole movie where she tries to act like everything's okay yeah and normal and fine when things are not fine and normal but she knows that if she overreacts People are going to think she's crazy or, yeah. or think she's delusional because she's been having delusions, I guess. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, she's very like... Um, it's it's this great uh, it's, it's actually, trap, a mental trap that she gets put in where she sees weird stuff and it's becoming harder to deny that this stuff is uh, fake. Mm-hmm. But she also knows that if she overreacts to this stuff, they're not going to believe her because she has a history of recent craziness and delusional. Right. And she doesn't want to lose her husband. She's like, she's got this kind of inner monologue. They do a voiceover throughout it. Yeah, where a lot you can of voiceover. Hear her thinking, yeah. and it's a lot of those thoughts of, you know, he doesn't believe me. He's gonna leave me. Yeah, this kind of panicky inner monologue that a, probably a lot of people actually <laughs> <Yeah>. hear. <laughs> inner in monologue a lot is easy to go uh, wrong directions with. Mm-hmm. Any kind of narration, really, an inner monologue especially is that's tough. It can be, yeah. It's a tricky road, but I, but it's a, I think it's a real strength 
of this movie because I, I really love the ways it kind of broadly gets you inside of Jessica. Yes. And like I said, Zora Lampert, I'd never seen her before, but she has a certain look and a certain... Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> yeah, she has this way of delivering a line that's slightly off, kind of charmingly wooden, but she's not... You can tell she's not a wooden actress. She's kind of delivering things purposely flat as right. Jessica. Because she's got this conflict. Yeah, like where she's, she's trying, trying to be to most be... blended in. So so what happens is they're moving to this farmhouse. Yeah, and, from New, uh, New York to way deep upstate yeah, northeast. Moving into a farm. And, she, and uh, when they get there, there's someone squatting in the house, a woman. Yeah. Which... I don't know if you noticed, but the scene where they're looking for the there's a, so they get there at night and you see this woman walk up, you know, and up, she's all upstairs. she's already seen a couple of things. She's already seen some things that she's she doesn't seen, think are real. That's yeah. one one thing I love is these movies where a character descends into madness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a slow burn usually because they got to fill up time. We start with her already saying like that can't be real. Right. There's no way that's real. I'm over that. Right. So we're already starting where she's like, okay, well, I did some time in the loony bin, but I'm not totally out of the woods on this. And that's where we begin. Uh-huh. And then she keeps getting put into semi-plausible situations, and it's just a cool progression because it's ramped up right away, and you know something's wrong, but you don't really know who's unreliable in this narrative. But like uh, back to your uh, your point of her woodenness and yeah. her kind of stilted <laughs> behavior, they find a squatter in the house. Yeah, and they're like, "Stay the night," and and she's like, seems <laughs> to go out of her way to be a good host because sure. because that's what's expected of her. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she, that's what she's. Supposed she kind of gets be. into the into the mud a mm-hmm. bit because she's like. I can't have a strong opinion about anything right now. She can't be neg- not a strong negative opinion. Right. Right. You like, can't be mad. You can't be up unhappy. You got to be happy. Be happy. Be happy. There's this kind of thing that where she's forcing her forcing herself to be this hostess play play you know this role play that she's yeah. doing. Some of the some of to the, be the nice person. Yeah. Some of the emotional appeal of the movie when I first saw it. Uh, man, I wish I could have seen it in a theater. Ever. I've probably watched this five, five or six times, mm. but never seen it in the theater. It's not a really common one, probably because, as I said, the Blu-ray I have is a bootleg <laughs> due to lack of an actual release. Right, might be hard to get so, something yeah. even screen, yeah. Um, but I think part of the deeper emotional impact of this that I noticed, uh, there's a bit of a teenage uh, hating their parents kind of vibe to it even though there's no teens and there's no parents in the movie. She's kind of treated like a little bit like a child mm-hmm. in ways that she doesn't totally deserve. And she's babied. because, And that makes her... She expresses that it's almost worse, you know, in so many words. That, to be pitied, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And so there's that kind of element of a teen who's like actually knows something and their parents are just not believing them because, you know, they know more. I get that. And there's a little bit of that. And I think we all had those kind of moments of frustration with our parents where it turns out we were actually right. And I get that vibe from her a lot. That she's yeah. basically reverted back to having to be a teen. Like she has to reprove her adulthood again. It's and that kind, a, of stu- yeah. that kind of hit me really powerful about the movement. Uh, 
I'm trying to figure out the way to say what I'm trying to like the way I saw it, where it's like she's uh, trying to be again the good hostess kind of a yeah. character. No, I think your point's great, and it's totally right. She's trying to be the most normal, pleasant to be around woman, mm-hmm. and it is like breaking her because <laughs> yeah. she, she is seeing some shit. But now she's starting to see. Yeah, things are starting to not just be someone out in the field or something. She's starting to see some really weird stuff happening yeah. too. Uh. A lot of the movie has strong kind of Stephen King vibes to me. Mm-hmm. Because we do take an overt turn into Salem's Lot territory. I had no idea, spoiler alert, yeah. that this is a vampire movie. Yeah. This is not necessarily a descent into madness movie. This makes a hard pivot to blood-sucking townsfolk vampire movie. It does indeed. And I was not expecting that the first time I see it. So where were you suddenly noticing that this wasn't just a woman going crazy movie? Well, I I thought we were dealing with a haunted house movie. Oh, for sure. okay. Okay. Because so the, you thought the drifter was like a ghost the, occupying the, the house. Yeah, the squatter. I'm trying to remember her name. The Emily. drifter. <laughs> like she had like a rusty screw. Well, she's a squatter. She's she, a squatter. She sure. had a sleeping bag, and she was like, "Yeah, I just kind of came upon this place. Thought it was abandoned, and really, um, really had a small amount of details on her, on very her vague. whereabouts." Yeah. And, uh, well, then she started getting cryptic, like, "Oh yeah, I have a home, but I haven't been there in quite a long time." Really, really sounds like a PS2 mm-hmm. GameCube era mystery horror game. Yeah, where it's like, the, yeah. or just like in the others. Oh, I do have a home, but it's been such a long time and i'm not quite ready to return right it's like press a to continue (laughs) there's a lot of survival horror kind of dialogue that i was into because it was from 71 it's like oh they figured out the whole genre right but then so i was thinking this uh yeah i was thinking the squatter was a ghost Mm -hmm. who was gonna be there and they kept finding ways for her to not go into town with them and for her to like stay at the house and there's a whole graveyard out in the orchard, and yeah. so I was, you know, expect. And then, and then, pretty early in the movie, she did feel like an others kind of thing. I heard you yeah. mention the others. It did well, like have... how the servants are always like, "Oh, we worked at this house many years ago, <laughs> ever so long ago." All right. So like ten, twenty. <laughs> yeah, what, we have a number. Can we get a range. What are we talking here? <laughs> what year? Yeah. What year were you, you here? Keep avoiding specific dates, <laughs> exactly. and it's starting to jump out. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I thought she was going to be that, and then it seemed clear that this. Uh, yeah, we're just. I guess we'll just spoil the. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen it, uh, sorry. It's uh, vampires, and then nine eleven. But then I thought this the squatter woman Emily was uh, like a demon or a possessor because mm-hmm. she's clearly possessing people. Yeah. Her voice starts getting into Jessica's head, which was really cool. <laughs> that, effect. I like that. Yeah. So then, so then I think about. I don't know, but so there was a picture up in the attic, right? <laughs> I was, yeah. So that, I love so, your reaction to this. So what's great is the first thing they do when they get to this house uh, uh, collectively is look for antique junk to sell because they have no money because that's what hippies yeah. do. They um, move in this fully furnished house that they only find out later. I love this guy just thinking he got this screaming deal on a house. Yeah. And then it's cursed. Then he finds out, like, oh, yeah, that's the old bishop place. the old place. bishop yeah. place, yeah. And they you find... never heard about the vicious drowning that happened at the <laughs> bishop place? No, they didn't inform me of that. Yeah, the lifeguards were When I went through watching. escrow, yeah. <laughs> actually. Isn't that, yeah, by law. 
They should have told you about the I don't the think drowning. you told me about the ancient Indian burial ground. <laughs> yeah, he says he brought it up four or five times. <laughs> <laughs> I just really liked the place. <laughs> but yeah, there's this photo from the 1800s kind of thing of the Bishop family. Yeah. And the one woman in the photo is clearly <laughs> it's clearly the squatter. the squatter. I love those like, kind of shocking reveals that are so like, okay, so that's the person. <laughs> and we're like 35 <laughs> minutes into the movie. It's like four people looking at this photo and I'm going, that's clearly the woman There's right only on your right. Yeah, there are four principal characters in the movie and they're all looking at this 1880 photograph portrait that clearly has one of the four people in the movie in this <laughs> picture. And I love you like had same like, facial like it cuts back to the woman, same facial expression. Yeah. <laughs> what? Eh? You had this verbal non-word reaction to the, when they showed the picture. You were just kind of this like, <laughs> like Yeah, like me going, like, well, the, the jig is up, I guess. Nobody's seeing this. We found the painting. This is to the point where I thought that was that painting did not exist or something. Sure. It was going to all be so in Jessica's th- mind. This is so them obvious. finding the tombstones in the others 25 minutes into the movie <laughs> exactly. instead of at the hour 45 mark. <laughs> Might as well have been a picture of, yeah, of Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yeah, when they find the picture of the, the, dated of the caretakers dead, yeah. that would just be what they find in the first photo album of the movie. <laughs> The first thing she finds in this house is this woman. I love it. And they sell it, you know, for, for antique well, love- money. But then it shows up later again. I like that. And then she's like, and then she notices Jessica's like, oh, that kind of looks like you. Huh. What do you know? Yeah, the woman. Oh, this woman so is funny. such a, it's that uh, that green-eyed kind of, kind of, Amy Adams can kind of get that vibe too. Yeah. That red hair and that specific kind of eyes. She's the cat be... you don't want to look in the eye. Yeah, of. yeah, yeah. That's She's the, got those that's, cat eyes. That's how it played uh, the North Coast. Big time. On the drive-ins. <laughs> yeah, she had just a really kind of... I can see why you were thinking demon movie. Because seeing her as a demonic entity. Or witch or something uh-huh. that could, could possess people by their look. Very much. Um, but a lot of this movie still had to be carried by Zora Lampert. It is. She is not just the name in the, the the long title. She's in this the most. This is her movie, and she is so good. Like I said, this is my introduction. But right after this, she became somebody that was like, "All right, I need to get a few, few more of these under my belt." Yeah, I'll have to check her out because I I was really surprised by the performance. Again, it this movie feels so much more modern. It than does ni- than 1971, and maybe that's just because the issues of mental health. Uh, and women especially, and the expectations of women in society to be happy and nice and... Yeah, well, that's why... Not a, a difficult... What were we just talking about with uh, Deborah Winger was labeled oh, sure. difficult to work with. Probably, oh, yeah, we were probably talking Probably because outside. she said no one too many times to an executive. You right, know, like, and then she just gets the rep of being hard to work with, and then right. suddenly there's way less Deborah Winger movies, and it sucks. But yeah, this movie just felt so like... Of, uh, of relevance to, to yeah. I get what you're saying time. about how modern it is. Also, in ways that it feels like this is the kind of horror movie that one of those new kind of directors like Alex Ross Perry mm-hmm. or those kind of people would try to make and not do as good. Mm. Like this needed that kind of '70s color. And there's so, I love all the like you know lens flare kind of stuff yeah. that's in this. Kind of has like the the same kind of 
uh, skylight feel of Texas Chainsaw Massacre without being the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, it does. And today, like, I don't know, there's, it feels more in tune with a, a movie like Midsummer today mm-hmm. than other I was stuff. When you said that modern director, yeah, I was thinking Ari Aster or whatever yeah. kind of a thing. Definitely feels like something. Something to mess with you a little bit. Because the movie has some brief gore, but it also has some strong visuals that seem modern, that seem very high quality 2020 horror. And yeah, so Zora Lampert, uh, the other really great thing I saw her in right after this was from like a decade earlier Hmm. uh, called Splendor in the Grass, which is the famous Natalie Wood, uh, Warren Beatty movie. Great movie. Heard that title, yeah. Yeah, my favorite Natalie Wood movie. This a great uh, portrait of teenage obsession. Hmm. Very much like the fan. Interesting. Favorite Ooh. of the show, you know, Splendor in the Grass for such a early '60s romance novel. So title. Natalie Wood eats Warren Beatty. Is that yeah. what you're telling me? <laughs> but uh, uh, Zora Lampert has like a a strong supporting role as like a future girlfriend. Nice. And it was so good. And so I've seen her all phases of her career. And she's such an interesting uh, actress with such unique responses and mannerisms. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm glad you mentioned the, the normalizing. Because it wasn't quite hitting me. I was seeing what was happening and you put the word on it. When they get to this place for the first time. And they see a pair of white legs run by at the top of the stairs. Obviously I could see why you're thinking it's a ghost movie now this yeah, is how yeah. every conjuring exactly happens you see a pair of white pale legs run by <laughs> atop of a staircase it was pretty freaky <laughs> that jump scare when the when the oh when she c- burst out of the doorway that gave me another i actually i think i was like ah geez yeah you, you jumped uh, yeah that, I, that, that got a got reaction me. out of you that one got me good jump well, scare so this woman's torturing herself because jessica to act normal Mm-hmm. forces herself to basically look through this house that she's never been in before because everybody else just runs off in different directions. The search was really weird to me. And the movie did this kind of reality bending for a while in different scenes, which felt very David Lynch to me, where he has the actors act differently than the mood is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That was like definitely a trick that you saw in Mulholland Drive or things like that. And it makes for just a weird like wrongness. And she's starting to look through this house and she's terrified. But she's like kind of smiling her way through the house like she's playing hide and go seek or something. And it's such a cool read from that. And so you don't see the brilliance like Olivia Hussey's hiding in terror. Totally thought of Christmas. Totally thought of Olivia Hussey. In this movie, yeah. for some reason, but yeah, it's like doing Olivia Hussey in Black Christmas, but making your character feel a different mood during well, the scene, and it made it feel just so off and so weird. Right, I know exactly what you mean. That be- I think it's that she was so relieved that she- oh, it wasn't her yeah. imagination. It's, of course, she's like someone else saw it. There is an intruder in the house. <laughs> yes, I was right. There was at least three different scenes like, where she's, she's excited for yeah. something bad. She's like, yeah, I'm not the crazy one. Yeah, all they, of you are seeing this horrible stuff too. They find, yeah, another woman uh, is like leading her through the orchard, and and the husband sees it, and she's like, "You're seeing her." Yeah, you know? yeah, she's so like happy <laughs> to not be going crazy. I guess yeah. that she's like 
happily looking for this weird intruder that's been in their house. Yeah. Yeah, I totally... Her her priorities are just all askew yeah. by having to keep up appearances. Yeah. It, it's awful. Uh, <laughs> I, I, we get this... I love being put inside of her emotions because we get to feel not just her fears and her, uh, you know, slipping a little bit, but we also get to be with her for her, like, ugh, these guys kind of moments <laughs> when this new drifter who she's already like, I don't know about this girl, mm-hmm. and her and her husband start playing a little mandolin, big old bass guitar folk solo around the kitchen table. That's that end of party. Everybody's past the point of fun drunk. Fun drunk was the previous three hours where everybody's talking loud and you're laughing each other's jokes in a circle around a fire. And now it's like 1230. Somebody finds this big, gigantic, man-sized bass. (laughs) And he's just honking and bowing that thing in the tiny kitchen. It's just like... I need to go up to bed. And we're just kind of viewing her seeing that. Just like, okay, I know what he's doing. Well, he brought out the bass. That means it's time for me to go. What a jag of a traveling companion, by the way, where you're already in this station wagon bus hearse. And he's the guy in your traveling trio who's like, mind if I take up uh, like half of this hearse with this gigantic bass cello. The biggest stand-up bass with the biggest case for it you could this ever case imagine. case is a freaking tombstone. Like, it's a coffin. Mm-hmm. This thing is huge. It's funny. Oh, this is a casket match just waiting to happen with this bass guitar. <laughs> Takes up the whole hearse. It's the biggest hearse you've seen. That is a huge hearse. It's a, ma- it's a full-size hearse. Yeah. Full-size. This is multiple-body hearse. And the guy's using all that extra space to be like, finally got to move this base. Mm-hmm. This guy, they lived in a New York apartment. Were they using that as a bed? Can't imagine. Oh, Duncan. Duncan nice. made some, make some poor choices. Oh, Duncan. Opposite Jessica here. You know what, Duncan? You, uh, the next time your wife asks you if the girl who is now staying with you, yeah. if you think she's attractive, don't say yes. Don't don't do that. He didn't even do a um It wasn't even like a like a uh, havesy like, you know, I can see why people would think she's pretty. <laughs> yeah. You know, he really just went out like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, she's I just want deleted hot. scenes of Duncan being like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jessica, she's like model hot. <laughs> like obviously I'm into her. You think she's attractive? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like it's say, not even like a yeah. Why would you ask that? Duh. Yeah. Clearly attractive woman. <laughs> so stupid. So yeah, Zora Lampert is doing such a good job at dealing with her mental fragility while being a good communicator. Mm-hmm. She's not keeping these like bad secrets. She's still like, I'm nervous about our relation. You know, she's actually trying to communicate his relation and like getting nothing back. Yeah. No no pull on the on the other end of the rope. No help from these guys. They're comforting at times, but and we also get two great uh lake set pieces, which mm. are generally scary to me. I don't like lakes. Lakes you can't see at the bottom. I don't like that. Oh no. I I uh, I always have that thing 
I, we would always go like uh, canoeing out at the Howarth Park Lake. Oh, sure. And it was always, my thought was always like, what's in there? Yeah, what is at the bottom of that? What, what is under the this water? <laughs> and you don't think of that in, maybe in a river because it's moving water, but yeah, lakes and oceans. Lakes are stagnant. Not cool, man. You know, that, that water's just sitting there. Yeah, I had friends. And it's got, this movie's got great, yeah, like you said, it's just great creepiness to the lake. Yeah, the locations Very. in general are great. Good country home, big estate kind of thing, big lush grass, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah, the lake is huge. And oh, man. Also, it has that weird early 70s vibe that I cannot relate to where there's a lot of kind of uh, Fleetwood Mac feeling in the group dynamic. Feels a lot of inter- relation without quite without actually i don't think that was happening mainly i'm thinking of the bathing scene which is not a moment that i think i could recreate off the top yeah everyone bathing and and soaping down the person who's not their partner Mm -hmm. in the group yeah very strange stuff that's weird it was like it was like these adults were acting like children (laughs) yeah there was you you i'd never thought of that until you said like these people are seven years old. They're because weird. yeah, it's like it's like oh, you're my new best friend, person in the house I've never met. Stay with us, and yeah, then, yeah, and very accepting of that squatter right away. They loved her. Yeah, they were like they you hit it off immediately. Yeah. You need to stay. Uh, nothing suspicious there. No. Yeah, and there's one point where they they uh, pick up a mole. It's really yeah, a, really a mouse. It's supposed to be a mole, mm-hmm. uh, and they're like, "Let's keep it." Like it's a frog or something yeah, that they found in, in putting the tiny creatures sewer. in their pockets like, to what, take home. What are we doing here, guys? <laughs> Nobody has a job. You quit the Philharmonic so you could come up here and futz around and <laughs> yeah, grow apples. What are we doing? Maybe the older generation was right to hate these hippies. It is really like <laughs> a, a hipster. Like we're moving to the country to make a cider farm. Yeah, like a commune like, kind of feeling. You know? Uh, yeah. I don't know. We also get, lovings. though, a lot of great... Uh, I love... I think I've said this a bunch before, and it's never going to change. <laughs> I love Small Town with a Secret mm-hmm. movies. We mm. haven't even gotten to the movie as also a Small Town with a Secret movie. Definitely. Well, I said it did take an abrupt pivot into being Salem's Lot. You did mention that. Which I love. I love the vampire reveal kind of... In the third act, mm-hmm. instead of it just going further into her going crazy. Yeah, I also was getting a strong like dead and buried vibe. Oh, I'm glad you town. said that because that was what that was like the second episode we did. One of the early ones, yeah, and yeah, it, probably the second one. And I very much at a certain oh, I forget which specific scene it was that made me be like, oh, this is like ten years earlier, dead and buried. Totally same vibe, and both cool in their own respective eras. Yeah. But good reveals definite for both. vibe. Yeah. I think the strength in Dead and Buried that we weren't expecting was those reveals mm-hmm. and how cool they set them up and how kind of unexpected they were. And Let's Scare Jessica to Death is not a subtle movie. You know, it flat out shows you and tells you what's happening. You, you mm-hmm. know, there were scars on his neck. <laughs> you know, that kind of, such a like hammer horror line. Totally. The Count had scars on his jawline, you know? like So there's that kind of stuff. But it's just Zora Lambert trying to not go crazy while wearing great, like, ship-to-shore blouses and, like, <laughs> cool, like, hip khaki skirt. She looked great. She looked great. She's so great. 
And but you get all those like um, small town porch dicks, just guys who are all ninety seven years old <laughs> somehow. Yeah. It's the oldest town. They're all vampires. They're like the aging comes fast and early, right? But then you sustain that. They all just maintain an eighty eight years old. How pissed would you be <laughs> yeah. if you live eighty eight years? Your body gets old and frail. You're starting to get like pain all the time and then a vampire bites you it's like well you're gonna stay this age (laughs) forever you just get stuck and you're like no i was done uh i'd rather be like a young guy forever you couldn't have found me yeah where have you been years ago (laughs) the whole town was filled with guys that didn't get found 40 years ago yeah it's like it takes me 20 minutes to piss (laughs) yeah the weirdest town bullies i would would love that if the vampirism like doesn't fix all the old age (laughs) yeah they just have all their yeah, we don't die, but uh, <laughs> creaky joints when Sucks. it's rainy, and it's always rainy here. Yeah, yeah. I the the look of the movie is so it's kind of muted, but uh, sunny a lot, and I like that. I like a lot of movies where the horror is happening in daylight, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of that. There's a lot of daylight and dusk horror. Great use of uh, the day for night Uh shots totally usually those look terrible where you're shooting at day but you have the filters set so it's supposed to look like yeah it just looks like a practical budgetary reason you can't shoot at night but this time it really lended itself to the kind of like this movie at some point towards the end i figured she gonna wake up in the hospital bed and this will have all been a thing because you're waiting for it to happen it felt like a true nightmare She's running the entire time, which is yeah. Whenever I have, whenever I have dreams like this, Eric, it's like I'm just I have to run everywhere. Mm. It takes me forever. You know, you're. It's usually something like this where you keep going from back and forth from one spot to the other, like she keeps doing. Yeah, the day for night look <laughs> made it seem really otherworldly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just uh, like I was like, oh, this is a dream. When I when thing. I a, a frequent recurring. A nightmare for me is the running from something and right. like my legs aren't working right quite exactly. right like what so is now, that about it that is so dreams? hard so to weird. now lift my legs in a running fashion like it suddenly became impossible to run like i forget how right that is that's a recurring one for me i'm usually having to run because i'm late for something or <laughs> looking for something I'm, I, it's rare it's rare that people are chasing me but it's always that same running yeah it's like yeah why what the what is going on in the brain there where you can't just run? Yeah, it's that like, we all fear know how of, to do it. It's that fear of suddenly not being able to do something that comes without thinking. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that because now she doesn't trust her thinking. And I just love how it's conveyed. It's such a strong performance. It, I don't think she has really genre work. This felt like something that typically would be a Karen Black movie. <laughs> feel, I could see that. This feels like an early Karen Black because Karen Black made this kind of movie a dozen times in the '70s alone. You know, this she feels does... like burnt offerings or a scene from Trilogy of Terror or something. And but she didn't really, you know, she did a lot of TV dramas and uh, not really horror. But she's clearly really good at horror. So I don't know. She's a so I'm just it's. The uh, IMDb says she's in Exorcist Three, but I can't find her. Yeah, she's like um, psych psychiatrist or something. I think okay. she works at like the mental hospital there, uh, which we're gonna see soon. 
But yeah, Exodus like you said, three is going to be an upcoming podcast, so we'll get more Lampert. Definitely, a lot of TV movies, though. Yeah, Lady of the House, Hawaii Five O kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, a lot of TV drama <clears throat> appearances, and that's yeah. So that's I remember being so excited for this cool genre actress that I had finally seen, and then it excitedly scanning through a page and being like, oh, so there's like like one other thing. She's, she's great though. She's so good. It's one of my absolute favorite uh female performances not just in horror i just love her so much the more it's such a cool look such a cool tone to bring to the movie and the movie in general it's all about tone it's all about tone and and this is one of those movies that even in early 70s was made for like one hundred eighty thousand dollars. Oh wow like nothing and it this movie it's like if you want to know how to create scares and tension with Mm -hmm. minimal like on-camera effects this is the movie because the scene where they're looking for the intruder in the beginning, it's just a door frame. Yeah. And it's just so intense of her walking through the door frame. And uh, a lot of strong use of hidden corners. Hidden corners. Kind of the the new invisible man is kind of takes a lot of pages from that kind mm-hmm. of, of, of showing you nothing but creating the tension with the music and just this, the anticipation. So when the vampire ended up being a person in a high-tech vampire suit at the end of Let's Scare Jessica. How did you feel about (laughs) that? (laughs) I know that was a disappointment for you in The Invisible Man, but the small New England town of vampire suit wearers? It was all, yeah. Kind of a drag. I gotta say, the the introduction of of, uh, Agent Smith to the end of (laughs) Let's Scare Jessica to Death really matrixed matrixed me out of it it feels like if we had a movie made for an actual budget these days that's what it would be right and if we got this movie made as an indie like i said alex ross perry or somebody like that it would be too uh twee Mm -hmm. or too uh rambly and unscripted you know, to like, it just, we're just letting events happen or it just you wouldn't get the payoff of like oh no it's a weird like Vampire cult. Oh, vampire the cult? whole island. Oh, yeah. It's like it would be it's it you know, the Invisible Man having the, the tech remake, uh Child's Play was the same way for me, the two thousand nineteen Child's yeah. Play being like, Oh, it's a bad code. Yeah. In a computer. Bad code. It's not as cool to me as a psycho slasher's a guy had soul just, gets transported into a It was a seriously doll like a guy had like death. fat fingers while entering the code, right? I think it was like a disgruntled employee. Was oh, like, he angrily set like, it to evil. Yeah, he did set it to evil. Uh, someone set this thing to evil. <laughs> it was that. <laughs> it's like somebody coded this thing to evil. So I could only imagine what kind of modern day, yeah, thing they would do to let scare Jessica to death. And I hope they don't. Let's not. Yeah. Let's well, just... that's the thing. It's obscure enough that it could be redone, mm-hmm. but I don't trust it in anybody's hands. <laughs> Well, like you said, if there's not a, an, a, a, an official 4K Blu-ray situation out there, let's let's do that. Let's get a nice release out there. Yeah, I don't even. I there has let's to be a DVD, this thing. but the, I actually don't know. The bootleg you had definitely there were moments where it was a little fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tint was weird on the skin tone for some. Some of, that. of the some of that tint so. is that's the best version I've seen of it. Right there was I think MGM was showing an HD version of it when when that existed. But I don't think it's ever been released. Hmm. Uh, All right. Well, come on. It's, it's Arrow, a mute, Arrow but, or But I think a lot of it is kind of purposely muted. 
Because mm-hmm. like you said, they kind of the day for night they use more to kind of blur reality. Yeah. It, it felt like the that sometimes the the sun and uh, the darkness would shift scene to scene, but not in a way that was like we made this cheap and we didn't know what we were doing. Right. It felt like it was purposely messing with your senses. And I think the movie did a lot of utilized a lot of that kind of sensory messing around. For me at least. This movie oh, this movie hits absolutely. pretty hard for me. It's a slow it's a slow ride in a lot of ways. And Well, uh, but it's never boring. There's uh, there's never a stretch of more than five minutes where something interesting or some voice in her head or, mm-hmm. or you know, there's always something brewing. Oh, so I, agree. I I did enjoy that. I love the um, tension. That also, a lot of great throughout. A lot of great riding on the tractor through an orchard. <laughs> a couple of great just orchard scenes thrown in there. We do but get no. that, that one guy is just a, a Woody. Woody is a weird movie friend. Just a '70s weird guy, goofy looking guy, big old walrus mustache and kind of bad feathered hair, kind of a goof. Not good at talking to people. Mm-hmm. Like, but not a unpleasant guy a lot of tractor woody time (laughs) (laughs) that's our weird uh great moment where the where emily the the vampire woman is like he's he says he comes in from the tractor and he's he's been spraying pesticide all day so he's got it all over him he's covered in white powder and uh he's like well i gotta go clean this off she's like oh do you all (laughs) seductively and just back to him deadpan like yeah yeah she's being all Perfect. sexy with just like dirty farm stuff yeah that he's yeah he's like oh, no it, it, do it, you yeah yeah it's it's poison it's i'm covered it's, in poison it's killing me right now it was one of those shots where these two were nowhere near each other it's just so you just cut back to old woody standing in front of a wall just like yeah it was a total David Putty reaction. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, man, Woody is not picking up what she's uh, very obviously throwing down to him. Woody, Woody was Woody was kind of a dud. Woody feels like <laughs> somebody in who wrote Friday the Thirteenth franchise was like, we always need one lame friend. <laughs> Every movie's got <laughs> Every a Woody. Every movie needs a Woody. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's where we start. It's like. Who invited Woody? I mean, he's cool, but he's... I don't know. guy smells like fucking pesticide. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's scare Jessica to death. Last I checked, it is on... uh, I'm forgetting if it was on Amazon or uh, Hulu or... But it was on one of them when I I checked. Uh, It looks like you can at least rent it for like four bucks on Amazon. Okay. It's worth it. And it's probably on... Yeah, if if you find it on something, I'm sure. Yeah, it's... It's been a favorite of mine for a long time. It's still uh, what I've been urging Colt to play at uh, a Colt night. It's a unique movie in that way. It might just be a distribution issue. I have no idea. No but idea. Someday I, I would. I, hope... I would pair this with uh, Martin Romero. Oh, that'd be Martin. cool. See, yeah, the first one that came to me was a couple of name movies. Love yeah, it. yeah. With the uh, I, I don't know. I thought of Burnt Offerings, uh, just because Karen Black is. Uh, is great and we could always use more Oliver Reed mm-hmm. at the uh, and it has in same era same kind of same kind of vibes but different uh, not both vampire movies one Correct. deals with the occult one deals with vampirism so there's cool pairings out there that I'm hoping one day we get to see but until then 
go out of your way to see Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Let's let's grow this trend. As as someone who just saw it for the first time, I highly recommend it. It's very it feels very relevant, feels very modern. Yeah. Um it's a cool movie. It's a cool little secret. Very cool. That not a lot of people talk about and that should change. So That's what we're here for, man. I think it came to this. It did. I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.